What is fiduciary duty on this episode of It's the Keith Law PLLC podcast, and I'm Jason Keith, attorney in Houston, Texas. Keith Law is a Texas-based law firm that helps businesses protect and enhance their competitive advantages by assisting with trademark issues and identifying and protecting trade secrets. The firm's goal is to help businesses prevent and address business problems, and I hope this podcast will do the same. So during a recent podcast episode, I mentioned the term fiduciary duty, and a listener followed up asking, what is it? It's a great question. And when I started thinking about it, you know, I wanted to do an episode to explain what fiduciary duty is, because it's a term that lawyers use all the time. And it wasn't an easy thing to come up with a simple explanation for what this word means. Lawyers often speak a language of their own. Sometimes we'll refer to it as legalese as opposed to English, and we can lose sight of the fact that these terms are not always easily translated into a simple English word. So in this episode, I'm going to try to explain what fiduciary duty is. The best place to start is probably to take a step back and touch on the concept of legal duties, which I'll do right after explaining all the the points that I want to hit in this episode. First, I want to talk about legal duties, then move specifically into fiduciary duties. And then I'll explain the difference between a formal and informal fiduciary relationships. In the formal fiduciary relationships, I'll mainly give examples of what is considered a formal fiduciary relationship. Then I'll explain the existence of informal and what courts look at to determine whether an informal fiduciary relationship exists. Then I'll move into a specific example of formal fiduciary relationship, the attorney-client relationship. And unlike the misappropriation of trade secrets cause of action episode, in this episode, I'll just quickly hit the essential elements of the cause of action called breach of fiduciary duty. Lastly, before concluding the episode, I'll touch on participatory liability, specifically participatory liability in the fiduciary duty context. But first, we need to talk about the idea or the concept of legal duties. And it's the way the law looks at our relationship to one another. It's through this lens of legal duties. And so legal duties don't necessarily correspond with what any particular person believes is their moral duty. Legal duties are decoupled from moral duties. Legal duties are simply duties that can be enforced or more accurately compensated for the harm caused by their breach through the civil court system. And the civil court system is the courts that are not the criminal courts. The best quick way to explain legal duties is probably using the analogy of a spectrum, where on one extreme end of the spectrum, there is no legal duty between one person and the other. Then the extreme other end of the spectrum is when there is a fiduciary relationship and there are fiduciary duties between the two people. Between those two, there are different levels of duty on that spectrum. The most common duty, the duty that most of us have to one another in our everyday life, is just to behave reasonably in the particular circumstances to avoid harming one another. And that's the negligence standard in most cases, is whether someone acted reasonably to avoid harm. Usually where a specific duty falls along that spectrum that I've been talking about is the particular circumstances and the particular type of relationship between the two people. And just some terminology up front. In this episode, I'll use the term fiduciary to talk about the person who owes the fiduciary duty 
to the principal. The principal is the person to whom the duty is owed. The term principal used in this context is probably familiar from an earlier episode where I touched on the law of agency, where the agent owes duties to the principal. In the law of agency, the two people are referred to as agent and principal, and in many situations, the agent is also a fiduciary to the principal. So a fiduciary relationship may exist when a person has a duty to act for or give advice for the benefit of another person within the scope of that relationship. In a fiduciary relationship, one person, quote, binds himself to subvert his own interest to those of his principal, close quote. It's common shorthand for us to say that a fiduciary owes a fiduciary duty to the principal, but in reality, a fiduciary owes a bundle of fiduciary duties to the principal, and that bundle, that specific bundle of duties, can vary based on the type of circumstance or relationship. So some of the general duties that a fiduciary owes its principal are the following. In some of these, they probably overlap if you look at them closely. The fiduciary owes the principal the duties of loyalty and good faith, the duty of candor, the duty to refrain from self-dealing, the duty of fair and honest dealing, the duty of full disclosure, the duty not to usurp a corporate opportunity, the duty to refrain from competing, the duty of competence, the duty to act with integrity of the strictest kind, and the duty to exercise reasonable discretion. Not all of those duties exist in every context, and in some contexts, additional duties are imposed on a fiduciary. Fiduciary duties can be both formal or informal. The most common types of formal fiduciary duties include the following, attorneys to their clients, general partners to one another, agents to their principals, escrow agents to both parties in a contract, spouses to one another, holders of powers of attorney to those for whom they hold the power, corporate officers to their corporations they serve, joint venturers to one another within the scope of the venture, executors and trustees to the beneficiaries of the estate or trust, securities brokers to their customers within the scope of their agency, mineral rights holders of executive rights to holders of non-executive interests in the mineral estate, condominium board members and officers of condo boards to the unit owners for their acts and omissions, and under Chapter 111 of the Texas Tax Code, taxpayers owe a formal fiduciary duty to the state to hold in trust the money they receive or collect for the benefit of the state. That was a list of formal fiduciary duties. There's more than that. That's just an illustrative list to give you an idea of the scope of formal fiduciary duties. But informal fiduciary duties can exist too. Generally, the question will be whether the party alleging breach of fiduciary duty can prove that a special relationship of trust and confidence arose from a moral, social, domestic, or purely personal relationship. However, to find that an informal fiduciary duty has been breached, the plaintiff has to show that the special relationship of trust and confidence was established prior to that specific deal or alleged agreement that is the subject of their specific dispute. And the question is whether influence was acquired and abused and the confidence was betrayed. It's worth noting that a family relationship is a factor 
in determining whether there's an informal fiduciary relationship, but a family relationship doesn't establish a fiduciary relationship just because it's a family member. Attorneys are one category of formal fiduciary, and attorneys do owe fiduciary duties to their clients. The attorney-client relationship can be created either expressly through a written contract or through implication based on the actions of the parties. And the concern about creating an attorney-client relationship through implication is why you'll regularly hear disclaimers from attorneys that a relationship was not formed and that what they are saying is not legal advice. What they're trying to do is protect themselves and the folks they encounter from mistakenly forming a fiduciary relationship or believing that a fiduciary relationship has been formed that they can rely on. And so the goal there is just clarity. The goal of clarity is why you will usually receive a non-engagement letter from an attorney you spoke to about a matter, but you ultimately didn't hire that attorney. The fiduciary duty of attorney to client is why attorneys need to conduct conflicts checks to confirm that there's no conflict of interest in hiring them for a specific matter. Because if they have a conflict and you hire them, their duty of confidentiality to their existing client and their duty of candor and full disclosure to you could put them in an impossible position of effectively satisfying both duties. And delving into the nuances of attorney conflicts of interest analysis, that exceeds the scope of this episode, but joint representation should be briefly touched on. In cases where there is no actual conflict of interest between two people, such as two general partners, it can be possible for an attorney to permissibly represent both but first, the attorney should obtain waivers of potential conflicts from both partners that explain that the attorney will not keep any secrets from either of the partners. That's the duty of full disclosure, the duty of candor, and that if an actual conflict arises between the partners, the partners should each hire separate counsel. So far in this episode, I've gone over what a fiduciary duty is, and that's the first element or necessary ingredient in a breach of fiduciary duty cause of action. And for a reminder of what a cause of action is, check back on the episode or blog post covering misappropriation of trade secrets cause of action. There I explain what a cause of action is using a baking analogy. The elements for a breach of fiduciary duty cause of action include one, the existence of a fiduciary relationship. That's what we've been talking about in this episode up to this point. Element two, or necessary ingredient number two in a breach of fiduciary duty cause of action is that the defendant fiduciary breached its duty to the plaintiff principal. And element three, the fiduciary's breach caused either A or B, A, injury to the principal, or B, benefit to the fiduciary. Participatory liability can be an interesting thing to discuss as well, just briefly. Not only the fiduciary could end up in the crosshairs of a breach of fiduciary duty lawsuit, but if someone knowingly induces a fiduciary to breach a duty or participates in the breach of a fiduciary duty, they can also be held jointly liable along with the fiduciary who breached the duty. This liability would fall under the umbrella of civil, participatory, and vicarious liability theories that include aiding and abetting, civil conspiracy, principal-agent liability, partnership liability, and family liability. All of those other participatory liability theories, those exceed the scope of this episode. So how does it help to know what a fiduciary duty is? 
I think having a sense of the concept of fiduciary duty can help you navigate the business world more wisely by giving you a sense of the legal duties you may owe to others and others may owe to you. And sometimes this is a complex area of analysis. So when you're facing uncertainty and do I owe a fiduciary duty to them? Do they owe a fiduciary duty to me? It can be helpful to have the guidance of an experienced attorney in your jurisdiction to help provide that guidance to your business and your business team. I just want to close by encouraging you to be aware that you may have different legal duties in different contexts and others may have different legal duties owed to you in different contexts. This can be helpful in guiding your behavior going forward and in policing the behavior of others to minimize potential harm to you. You can find helpful links in the show notes along with timestamps that will give you the ability to go back and listen to specific aspects of this episode that you want to hear again without having to hunt for where in the episode it was. The show notes will also provide a link to my website and the blog post that's connected to this podcast episode. And as always, you can email me at jason at keith.law. Disclaimer, this audio is for informational purposes only and should not be misinterpreted as legal or other professional advice. If you have a legal question, you should consult with an attorney in your jurisdiction. This is Jason Keith thanking you for listening to the Keith Law PLLC podcast.